Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Disney's Christopher Robin. Oh, I do like a party. Come on, babe. What should happen if you forget about me? Silly old bear. I won't ever forget about you, Pooh. I promise. Not even when I'm 100. We should be working this weekend, Robin. But I, I promised my wife and daughter I'd take them away this weekend. All hands on deck. You won't be coming to the cottage. Well, it can't be helped. Your life is happening now, right in front of you. What to do, what to do, what to do. What to do indeed. Who? Christopher Robin. No. The tree I remember was in the countryside, not here in London. There's no opening. I suppose it's where it needs to be. That's a silly explanation. Why, thank you. Pooh, why are you here? Oh, yes, I need your help. I've lost all of my friends. Let's get to the bottom of this. Look up, Pooh, here I come. Uh, It would appear that I am stuck. Have you just eaten honey? I have not just eaten honey. I wonder which way. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. Do you? That's the way I do it. Hello, Eeyore. Christopher Robin, it's you playing again. <laughs> Let's go and see if we can find Piglet. I've already stayed far too long. Hello, everyone. It's Christopher Robin! So nice to see you all again. Why, thank you. Silly old bear. I was wrong about work. I was wrong about everything, and I've got to get back to my family. Farewell, Christopher Robin. I would have liked it to go on for a while longer. Perhaps it's our turn to save Christopher. You must be Madeline. Wait, you're the bear in my father's drawings. Yes. Do you know where he is? I do. <laughs> Let's bounce! I just saw the most preposterous imposter. Look at him. Piglet! If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Oh, Bala. Oh, dear, dear. I don't remember being cheery. <laughs> People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. No, Pooh, that's not the... All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Disney's Christopher Robin, and the story is as follows. Winnie the Pooh and friends reunite with old pal Christopher Robin, who is now an adult and going through a midlife crisis between balancing his family and his job. The film is starring Ewan McGregor, Haley Atwell, Jim Cummings, and Brad Garrett. It is directed by Mark Forster and written by... Alex Ross Perry, Tom McCarthy, and Allison Schroeder. Joining me for this review, I have Daniel Howitt. Hello, hello. And also, for the first time ever on the Next Best Picture podcast, we are so pleased to welcome newcomer Katie Schaefer, everybody. Hello, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, Katie, we're really, really excited to have you as well. Uh, This is your first podcast review with us, and what a delightful film to have have it be, ultimately. Uh, This is ultimately Disney's 
answer, I guess, to last year's Goodbye Christopher Robin and the Paddington films over the last couple of years. So very similar in tone, in message. I got to ask, Katie, you're, you're the new person on the podcast. Let's start off with you. What did you ultimately think of Christopher Robin? Well, I guess it, it was writing this review was really hard because I had to separate my own situation of being a huge Pooh fan from the time I can first remember to now being an adult and a movie watcher. Um, and I really loved it. And I thought that they ha- they succeeded in mimicking the feeling of the original Pooh stories, not so much the cartoons that I watched as a kid, but the originals, I think there's three books written by A.A. A. Milne, and they have that very British, first of all, very British sentimentality without, with or with also the uh, austerity of mm-hmm. British emotions. Yeah. Did you see Goodbye Christopher Robin last year when it came out? No, I missed that one. Ah, Okay. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a more serious real-life take on A.A. Mill and uh, his son, uh, who wasn't actually named Christopher Robin, but was called that within the book itself. This is more skewing towards the imaginary character of Christopher Robin, the one that, yes, if you grew up, like like for me, for example, when I was a kid, I watched Winnie the Pooh, the television show on the Disney Channel all the freaking time. I was obsessed with it. Yep, me too. I've seen all the Winnie the Pooh movies as a kid. I, Winnie the Pooh was my shit, hands down. Loved every single character in the Winnie the Pooh universe. And to see that now translate into live action and to have even Jim Cummings come back as the voices of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, it, it just was a nostalgic hit in the feels for me and bring me back to my childhood all over again. You know, even things that I feel like I had forgotten with time suddenly came roaring back. Like, for example, like when he gets up in the morning and he does the uh, up-down stretching song. Oh, so good. At that moment, I was just like, this is this is it. This is good. I, was, I wasn't sold on it before, but... I was like... I remember that. Holy God, I was bugging. Yeah, I loved it. That, yeah. p- that moment really put me back in that childhood. And, you know, the theater I was in was mostly adults. There wasn't nearly as many kids as I see it, a kid screening. And, oh, my God, everybody reacted to that. Everybody was, <gasps> you know, all at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely a, oh, my God, that's so cute, gasp-inducing film, <laughs> for sure. Yes, it is. Dan... I don't want to leave you in the dark here, so why don't you come over to our side of the podcast? Let us know. What did you think of Christopher Robin? I'm right there with both of you. I I grew up with Winnie the Pooh, watched the movies, read the books. I remember having a Winnie the Pooh, like, CD-ROM game uh, or something. I don't remember. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, like, I was was in it. And uh, so uh, watching Christopher Robin... Um, I mean, first of all, there's no getting away from the fact that this is the same story as Hook, right? I mean, this is the same thing. So the story isn't, isn't amazing, but that's, that's the really, the only complaint I have here because this movie is so sweet and charming and it's, like you guys said, like, it's Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's, it's live action Winnie the Pooh and it feels so real. Um, I love the way that this movie looks. I think they nailed the visual style and the visual effects of all the characters. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with both of you. I think this movie is so sweet, uh, so heartfelt that uh, I can overlook any kind of uh, generic nature of the story. Well, I have to say, 
I am positive on this film, but I am the one who's going to be the bad guy here, and I am going to list a couple of complaints that I had with this. So by all okay. means, if you guys want to call me a woozle by the end of this podcast, <laughs> you're free to do so, because I definitely had some issues with this film, despite the nostalgic hit in the feels, like I had said before, the visual effects, like you just said a second ago, Dan, are definitely above average, and mm-hmm. they really, like, like, like almost... What does it remind me of? It reminds me of Ted in how yeah. realistic that character was portrayed on screen. They do an incredible job of making these beloved characters feel grounded within reality, mostly because they look like toys. Mm-hmm. They look like the stuffed animals that come to life, with the exception of Rabbit and Owl, for some reason. They actually look like actual yeah, animals. Yeah, I felt like they weren't quite sure how to yeah. do that. <laughs> So I read I read about that. I guess I guess in yeah. the books, rabbit and owl were not stuffed animals. They were actually uh, a rabbit and an owl. So that's why they did it. It was a nod to the books as opposed to the cartoons. I see. Okay, and and that does make sense. I I suppose because I also don't really recall in reality Christopher Robin having a stuffed animal owl or stuffed animal rabbit it's always the other mm-hmm. characters that are his stuffed animals that he's always playing with you know when it when it's based within reality so yeah that was definitely a little i don't know that that aspect to me was a little jarring at first but that makes sense dan that's, that's a good explanation for that so i'll cross that off the <laughs> negative list <laughs> Going on with this, I, I love the jokes in this movie. I do believe that just like Paddington, there is a earnest quality to the humor and the jokes and how um, innocent and precious they, they feel to people who are blinded by the seriousness of the real world and kind of get lost in the day-to-day activities of stress and work, anxiety, and so on and so forth. And Pooh's just got that like that lightheartedness that is so so uh, not only genuine but also very um, inviting. It, you know, you you do want to just give him a, a great big hug. However, my my issue with that and with Eeyore and always constantly being you know depressed and so on and so forth, I, I did feel after a while the joke started to get repetitive. And it was like, okay, I get it. Eeyore is gloomy, and every line out of his mouth is a gloomy haha line. Winnie the Pooh, same thing. Uh, you know, the innocent, cute nature, uh, every line, haha. Okay, we're getting a laugh out of the audience. But I, I just kind of got this sense after a while that it just started to get very repetitive. Did anybody else feel that way at all? Not, not me. Uh, I mean, no. I, oh, okay. You're right. I'm like, you're not wrong. Um, yes, the jokes are sort of repetitive, but to me, it wasn't in a negative way. It was, I, I freaking love Eeyore. You know, like his jokes were. <laughs> he was, he was a downer, and what what I appreciated is he wasn't simply a downer. He every joke he had was a hit. You know, every one liner I thought was hilarious. And so, yes, it was repetitive, but it worked for me anyway. Well, I think the repetitive nature of it, what's bothering me ultimately overall, and this is I'm getting really nitpicky here. I really do believe that with the exception of the awesome opening with the um, with the book Mm -hmm. and how it comes to life and it shows the life of uh, Christopher Robin from the time he leaves boarding school to the present day. I thought that whole intro was fantastically edited. But after that, I have to say, I think this film has some serious editing issues. That beginning scene was, I think, 
a big part of why the movie worked for me because it's it sets up it sets up the whole thing as a family film by showing him mm-hmm. going to World War Two and there are literal explosions in the in the movie and he's calling for backup and for anyone who's seen a war movie like you know what he's going through right at that moment and for kids it's just a brief glimpse into that reality and I thought that was a really unique way to introduce a film that's for then the rest of it there's almost no violence or Mm -hmm. anything even close to it no it it never gets overly serious beyond that i would say and i did start to wonder to myself if that was a mistake that the movie made because i did find that the balance that they were trying to strike between it being for both adults and for kids um was definitely skewered more towards kids but you could tell they wanted it to appeal to grown-ups sure but like there were a couple things that really threw me off with that i I might come back to the editing later but i will just say i think outside of that elaborate opening sequence i think the editing this movie is really really bad um what contributed towards that imbalance that i'm talking about is um i thought that some of the supporting performances were extremely over the top and overblown like what the hell is toby jones doing in this movie Right. You know, or right. or Mark Gaddis and like just the, the cartoonish faces. And I, I, I just for a movie that was trying to ground itself within reality, I don't know why the, the human characters had to be also so cartoonish. I think that was a to me that came across as a very British comedy. That is such a especially during that era of British comedy. It was Mm -hmm. such a pervasive thing. You know, if you watch any Monty Python, which is a little after that time frame, but, you know, outlandish facial expressions and over-the-top body language is such a part and parcel of that that world for them. And in the same Mm -hmm. way that, like, in Japan, um, most Japanese, or a lot of them, I don't want to say most, but it's based on puns and wordplay because for just how their language is set up, that in English and American, they, they all fall flat because there's none of that, you know, there's no connection. And so I think that that's kind of why it didn't work for me as well either, but that's how I looked at it. It was like, oh, this is a very British, this is a very British movie, and that's a very British thing to be doing, especially Mark Gaddis's character. He's just so unlikable from yeah. the beginning. And it, and it worked for, for being a kid's movie, you know, having the kind of over-the-top villain uh, villain character, you know. So I agree. I, I didn't love that, uh, and that was pretty weak, but, you know, it, it's kind of yeah, whatever. But, like you movie. said, as a, as a kid's movie, so I, I like that's why I kind of get a little confused where I'm wondering to myself, what what is Mark Forster going for here in mm-hmm. terms of tone and who is the demographic? Because I think it's very clear they are trying to tap into people around our age range that do remember the Disney animated show and other um, uh, other forms of media that Winnie the Pooh uh, seeped into in popular culture. But I also do feel that they're also trying to appeal to a new generation of fans uh, that are kids. And this is ultimately a kids film at the end of the day, family film, whatever you want to call it. And so I can understand the cartoonish villain. I can understand all of that. I just then at that point, it's like, well, then why why try to seep the film so much within reality to the point where people are overreacting and going crazy when they see a talking stuffed animal, uh, which obviously in real life would clearly happen. Um, it, I, I just did feel, I, I felt there were numerous occasions where that balance 
was thrown off. You know, like maybe what could have helped me a little bit more. Um, I understand that they wanted um, London to appear to be gloomy and um, very, I don't want to say depressing, but like uh, absent of color. But and then the Hundred Acre Wood is filled with light and, you know, it, it just feels very vibrant. And I, I almost started to ask myself, like, maybe they could have instead of making that so off-balance and contrast against each other, maybe try to go for a more consistent tone to make it seem more steeped within reality? Or did you guys already feel they struck that? Yeah, I, I wasn't bothered by that. Uh, you know, I think it fit the the story um, where he, in in his his new reality of being in London and being an adult, uh, it is, uh, you know, desaturated. It is without uh, vibrancy in his life. Yeah. And so I think... It was. It, it's. It's obvious. You know. It's an obvious way to portray that that story where he's he's got a desaturated adult life and then he goes back into his childhood imagination and is vibrant. But you know, I think it served the story adequately. Right. I think that a lot of this film that I think they got right is that was such a throwback to the themes and tones of the original story because mm-hmm. Milne was a playwright and a poet before he started writing the Pooh stories and was a a novelist afterwards. And so, uh, like, those characters are all used as, you know, parts of a child's psyche. You know, Eeyore presents the fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. and Pooh is the hope and enjoyment and Piglet is, you know, really the anxiety. And so I think they tried to replicate that in this and they tried to take it even further with that bright and happy memories of childhood. And then during the scene where he gets, he finds the heffalumps and woozle area, it is shocking how um, upsetting that film, that moment is in the film. You know, Mm. he's drowning literally in these memories and this fear of the world around him. That's similar, but also so scary and different. And then London, is so gray and monotonous because as an adult, mm-hmm. if you live the life he lived, it would be pretty gray and monotonous to just work constantly all the time. There were other things I, I, I did wish that the film explored, though, um, and just trying to go back to that opening that opening that we were talking about and how it had that flash of seriousness to it. I, I like I started to wonder, they had this line in the film, and it's a line that's also ripped from uh, the original uh, the television show and so on and so forth, where... He talks about how, you know, I'll, I'll never forget you, even if I live to be 100. And Pooh's like, how old will I be? And he says to him, 99. Um, I, I, I almost wanted the film to really badly go into age. I wanted to see Christopher Robin pass down these characters to his daughter, a Madeline. I love that they keep calling her that throughout the movie. What's a Madeline? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, her name is her name is Madeline, and I, I wanted her to then pass down the characters to her children, and I wanted to show that passage of time because these characters don't age, mm-hmm. and they're timeless, you know, to us and to other generations. And I wanted the film to really go down that route a little bit more as well, uh, to highlight that theme of of just these characters being uh, timeless, but. It doesn't, and that's okay that it doesn't. You know, maybe I just felt like it was maybe a missed opportunity to give the film a little bit more um, impact and emotional resonance, maybe. Um, for what we got, it's simple, it's cute, 
It's not harmful in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's not controversial or anything like that. But I do feel that if you're going to try and – if it, you know, if you – I don't know. It's like I think to myself a lot of times in terms of nostalgia and striking an amazing balance between being a kid's film and a film that also appeals to adults who love these characters when they were kids. The, the gold standard is Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely felt they had a real opportunity with this film to bring it to those heights. But we didn't get that kind of a film. So maybe I shouldn't be, uh, maybe I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be complaining about what we got instead and thinking about what if. But it almost feels like it was apparent to me that that's how they should have gone. I see that. Um, I think I think there's no denying that this is a, a light film. Uh, this is definitely more skewed towards kids. Uh, but for me, it, it was it was enough. It was enough to uh, give me the the story about val- cherishing your imagination, cherishing not not letting go of your childhood. Um, it was enough to give me that, along with just seeing live action Winnie the Pooh and and looking yeah. exactly how I had hoped it would look. And so, it's light, but it's sweet and it's heartfelt. Right. And see, for me, like I have a I have a 10 year old. So over the past 10 years, I have seen a lot of kids movies. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from things that come out in the theaters to the awfulness that is the equivalent to a direct to DVD release, which is mostly Netflix and Hulu now, like I have watched so many children's movies and ones that have tried to replicate this kind of, of feeling. And so for me, you know, Matt, for me, it was the opposite of like, mm-hmm. I saw all of the things that it managed to do that so many kids movies just fail at. And that mm. for a children's movie, like this is reaching so much higher than most of them do if you compare this even to Boss Baby, for instance, which mm, was huge. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. the Emoji Oscar movie. nominee. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I really disliked that one. Um, but even that one was a fairly decent example of a kids' movie. You know, for me, last year, the best one was probably that wasn't, you know, a, a Pixar or a Disney film um, was uh, Captain Underpants. Yeah. That movie was. Mm-hmm surprisingly good because I really hated reading those books aloud I'm not gonna lie (laughs) but as a as a film it worked really well and so that's kind of how I was came to this and found it so remarkable in comparison to so much of what's on offer these days for children this is something that allows them to see a more deep poignant story that isn't you know, just a, a sales technique essentially for kids. Okay. I, I can totally see that. I can definitely see that for sure. Uh, let's get over into final thoughts, uh, grades out of 10, and Oscar potential. Uh, Dan, let's start with you. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that we didn't cover? What's your grade out of 10 for the film? And did you foresee any Oscar potential with Christopher Robin? Yeah, for final thoughts, what I appreciated about this adaptation, you know, it's a it's an yet another live action animation adaptation for Disney. And uh, what I appreciate about this one is that it offers something different. Um, even though Jungle Book and some of those others are, are good movies, they're they're basically just taking the animated film and using better animation, and that's about it. It's the same story, same everything. And so this one is not that. It is different. We haven't seen this Winnie the Pooh story before. Um, and so I really appreciated that it just felt 
different. So like I've already said, I really like this movie a lot. Uh, it has problems. It's very light, but I really enjoyed it. So I give it a seven out of 10. And as far as Oscar potential, I don't actually see it getting nominated for any Oscars, uh, but I could see I could see it maybe making the visual effects shortlist. Mm-hmm. I think the visual effects are, are really nice. They're not nearly as flashy, you know, as, as what the eventual nominees will be, Infinity War, Ready Player One, things like that. Uh, but this is really solid work here. So visual effects, it could be considered. And then again, maybe, uh, maybe original song. It has a few original songs from Richard Sherman there, but I, I don't think those will go anywhere. And for the visual effects comment, I mean, if you're not convinced, look no further than when the toys play nap time mm-hmm. and they go from being very lively and animated to being essentially stuffed animals mm-hmm. like they're yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Just how they flop. Yeah. It's a very subtle transition, but to make that transition and have it be believable, I was really, really impressed by that for sure. It's very subtle work and it doesn't call that much attention to itself, but to have those characters come to life on screen and actually still look very real, unlike, I would say, a character like Paddington, who Mm -hmm. is a very realized character, but you never once for a single second think that that's an actual bear. Right. In this, though, it's not supposed to be an actual bear. It's supposed to be a stuffed animal come to life and i believe that the entire time while watching it so kudos to the visual effects team for suspending my disbelief uh throughout the film with that i mean it, it really dan it's a good it's a good shout out for the visual effects shortlist and something that yes i i could foresee that happening if they really are impressed by it so katie on to you well my final thoughts are i to continue on the visual effects thing i thought the detail like the intense attention to detail for those stuffed animals is is beautiful like at one point i think it's in the beginning you can see the weave of the fabric that holds the fur in place on winnie the pooh in one of the close-ups and as someone who's watched stuffed animals get very hard used over the years like that part to me i was like oh my that's you really captured what the look of a well-used teddy bear is and that was i agree it might make a short list but just because of what's on offer this year, I don't think it'll... It, it certainly won't win anything, and it might get nominated, but probably only for that visual effects. Um, as for the rest of the film, you know, I loved it. It was very sweet, and I enjoyed the fact that they really... I think they tried to have a very focused view of this story, and they tried to stay in the same vein as the original books, and it felt so very uh, real. And that was great, both as an adult and as a parent and someone who loved Winnie the Pooh when they were younger. It all fit together nicely for me, even though it is a very light story. But in this day and age, I'll take a light story occasionally. Sometimes I just want to go to the movies and have a good time. Exactly. Um, and. And this was that. You can go. I mean, most of my friends don't have kids, and I would recommend this to any of them and say, if you like Winnie the Pooh, go watch this movie because it will it'll give you something. You'll you'll walk away smiling. And, you know, sometimes in the movies, that's what we need, just to walk away smiling and feeling good. Um, and I would give this an 8 out of 10 just because of how how much it spoke to me and how rare that is for a movie that's aimed for this age bracket. 
All right. I definitely have a few more complaints about this film, but it doesn't change the fact that I still had a great time while watching it. I had a smile on my face throughout multiple moments. I laughed. I even, at certain points, definitely got hit in the heart a few times and came to the verge of Waterworks, but it's not that kind of a movie. You know, there are a couple of moments where Pooh uh, is given some harsh uh, realities by a grown-up Christopher Robin that... Pooh's sadness in those moments and also confusion uh, and lack of awareness is uh, it's it's heartbreaking at times to watch. So I, I really, really appreciated that the film definitely uh, skews towards children and presents a, a story that is easily digestible, is um, good natured. But for for adults, the nostalgia part has a lot to do with how I feel about this film, but otherwise, uh, this is not a film that I think is for me personally. Um, I, I definitely can understand why other people would react more um, more generously towards it. But at the end of the day, this is a type of film that I'm happy exists for right now. I, I don't think it's as good as the Paddington films are, maybe just even from a craft standpoint. Um, however... I really, really did enjoy it on the whole. You know, I, I, I got cons- I got complaints about the editing of the film and how much it feels chopped up at certain times and how long some shots are held on for before they cut to another, so on and so forth. Like, I mean, really, really nitpicky stuff there. But hearing Jim Cummings' voice as Tigger and as Winnie the Pooh, I mean, that just that just takes takes me right back. And like I said, there were so many callbacks in this movie. Uh, you know, when Tigger starts singing his song and just even hearing the woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, you know, and like all the different moments of, you know, just remembering stuff from my childhood with this. It, it, it was it put me in a very, very warm, comfortable and happy place. And there are definitely some really good shots in the film, too. I think that the shot of Pooh and Christopher Robin sitting out on the log might just be one of my favorite shots of the year so far. Uh, I, I, I just love the contrast of the color. I love that they're both wearing red. I love the shot even when they're out there with the red balloon. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's a visually striking shot, and a lot of that is aided by the believable visual effects of this movie, which we've talked about here. So a lot of great positives. Um, a few, few, few minor negatives on my part. On the whole, I enjoyed it. I would give it a 6 out of 10. And as far as Oscar potential is concerned... Um, I echo everything you said before, Dan, about the shortlist, even though I still feel that that is a long shot. Um, I don't think it will get any Oscar nominations at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, though. But like I said, I didn't consider this to be a waste of time. All right. With that said, Katie, thank you so much for joining us for the first time ever. We really, really enjoyed having you and can't wait to have you on again. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to do more shows with you guys. Awesome. And where can they find you on the Internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at KT underscore Schaefer. And Dan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at HowitDK. You can also find me on my main show, The Screeners Podcast. And you can all find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast's review of Christopher Robin. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your support. And speaking of support, head on over to our Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content, such as throwback reviews, reviews of television shows, and so much more that we are providing to everyone on 
we're getting to a point where we're getting it on up to a weekly basis. So head on over to the Patreon page, subscribe, let us know what you think in the comments of this podcast. We really, really appreciate everything that it is that you do for us. Thank you so much for listening. We shall see you all next time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.